And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. As always, when you're down at the banks and then maybe now the Reds are a little fun. Now you're ready to go down to the banks for a Reds game. You know what to do? Pre-game, post-game, head to the Holy Grail. Some great drinks, some great food. Have an awesome time pre-gaming and post-gaming. And also, June 24th. Cincy Reigns at the ballpark. Reigns and Reds. It's going to be a uh, dual event. We are also going to uh, have this as a BCJ meetup. We will meet up at the Holy Grail before the game. First pitch is at 410. Guess we'll start hanging out at the Grail around 2 and uh, head over to the game, have some fun, go back to the Grail afterwards. And uh, everybody have a great time as we will be one week from the official entrance into the Big 12. So there will be a lot to celebrate, a lot to enjoy. All right, let's get this show on the road. Hi, Dave. How you doing? Good evening. Good to, good to see you. Good to have you. I'm great. How are you? We have, we have, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's... uh. We're, we're getting Happy to crunch to time in. We're getting to crunch time in AAU volleyball season. So, nationals preparation is underway. Uh, the kid is carb loading right now with a giant plate of tortellini and Parmesan cheese uh, on the other side of the door. So, I had to get that situated, and uh, the mother-in-law is here. Did you find the birth it's certificate? Just, uh, we so somebody. Last night in the chat, this is the, how great this community is. Somebody said last night, all you have to do is go to the Hamilton County Board of Health and they will get you taken care of. So this morning, we went to the Hamilton County Board of Health and in three minutes, we had the birth certificate. So there you if go. you need a birth certificate, all you got to do is go to the Hamilton County Board of Health. You fill out like two questions. Is it her they, birth uh, certificate or just some random person? No, it was hers. Like this is actually it's legit. It had my name on it and Kelly's name on it and the whole nine yards. There you so, go. Uh, Crisis averted. Go. Crisis averted. She can now play at nationals. We don't have to go to Orlando only to be told that she's not allowed to play. So crisis averted. The power of the BCJ community is once again upon us. Maybe she could have gotten a waiver. It's popular these days. It's a popular <laughs> yeah. thing. <laughs> more work than you realize <laughs> we have a special guest tonight somebody we've uh we've been wanting to have on the show for a while now and the schedules and everything finally worked out and uh it is great to have him on somebody i've known for a long time in the uh the basketball world and it's been awesome having him here at cincinnati uh behind the scenes and but now, you know, the NCAA is changing some rules. More guys are allowed on the court. Uh, get to see him a little bit more involved in, uh, in the day-to-day activity. We'll, we'll get to that, how tough it was. Essentially being the general manager of the Bearcats <laughs> for, for a year. Uh, but welcome in, my good friend, Drew Adams. Drew, good to have you on. Uh, I, know, I know you were upset we had Abby jump on before you. Uh, but... <laughs> I just said I've known Chad for a long time, too. I was here for like a year. Abby was here for 24 hours, and she was on the show. 
uh, it's because of her dad. Like her dad is the reason that Abby was on. Fair. And I did get a I did get a nice message from her dad, who was my sixth grade teacher and also uh, a coach on the city championship master jewelers not whole baseball team when I was I think twelve. Wow. We got to play at Old Crosley Field up in Blue Ash. I don't know if you've seen that facility or not, Drew. I have not. They, they replicated Crosley Field where the Reds used to play downtown. Wow. And they they hold the city championships there for not whole every year. And uh, I got me a ring. He was one of my coaches, one of the, the big influences in my life. So that's why Abby jumped you in line. Uh, she does a great job. It's been fun to get to know that staff. And she's easier to look at than you. <laughs> <laughs> Although people like when you lean back, looking at the little, yeah, they like that the little, little patch oh. right there. Everybody's excited about. I thought that. it just, I thought it got rid of my double chin or something. I didn't know. Was- <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like the reminder behind you how far out of your league you married. <laughs> yeah, I did. Hey, uh, I think it was one of my early bosses. It might have even been Bruce Pearl. Said like. If you wanted to know how good an, a, a recruiter and assistant coach was going to be, you need to just look at their wife. That was actually that was a James Franklin thing initially, wasn't it, Dave? Yeah, some of that he wanted to hire assistants with nice looking wives. I'm not sure what that means, but <laughs> where did you work? Where did you work with Bruce, Drew? When I first started off, I was a GA at Tennessee, probably back in what would that have been? Oh six to 08. Well, I'm a, I'm a vol. Uh, uh, it was Chris Lofton's senior year was my first year there, yeah. and then the year after that. I graduated in 05, so we just missed each other. Wow. Yeah. Probably it was funny because I actually grew up playing against playing against Chris Lofton. I was in Indiana, and he was in Kentucky, and our AAU teams always played each other. And we actually – I wish somehow he sees this because we always beat his team, and it was a sore subject. Even in practice, I would always remind him when he was about the SEC's best player, and I was a – grad assistant that you know you still could never beat us <laughs> we had dustin groots on uh, a couple of weeks ago i don't know if you remember dustin he played at mason county with chris oh wow uh, and then he was a uh, starting quarterback for uc for a little while him and chris are best friends that's awesome yeah uh, chris is one of the he was a phenomenal kid to be around a pros pro I mean, even when he was a college kid and uh dave's favorite player what do you say Dave's my, favorite player. Oh my guy when we were in school. Absolutely. Wow. Yep. The direct the, the Texas game. We showed, took it to Durant. Yep. They actually were like one of our three losses or something like that my first year there. Mm-hmm. We lost to them, I think, in New York City. Yep. So uh let's get to it, Drew. Let's yep. uh let, let's set the stage. Let's set the background. Basketball junkie, basketball family from Indiana. Just kind of let people know how how you got into this crazy life and and you know yeah. the the path that got you here. Um, I grew I grew up in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, obviously, you know basketball, just like Cincinnati, is like a religion around there. They loved it. Um, played my whole life. You know, I was obviously a good player by high school standards, and played junior college and played at Iowa. But I knew, like in high school, I uh, wasn't going to be an NBA player or make a ton of money playing. Wanted, wanted to do something with basketball. So I actually started – and my dad had coached AAU since I was a little kid, and I actually started coaching AAU when I was in high school, um, some of those younger age groups. And when I say younger, I just mean like eighth grade, even ninth grade my senior year. Uh, so started coaching AAU through through college when I 
played in college. Uh, when I was done at Iowa, Steve Offer took the New Mexico job. Um, Bruce Pearl, had, you know, a little bit from when he was at Southern Indiana, offered me a chance to come down and be a GA. And I was really actually finishing my undergrad at the time. So I went down there for two years uh, to get started, came back to Indiana University, who I'd you know, grown up watching and was the uh, video coordinator for a year for Tom Crean and then director of operations. And then uh, Steve offered, offered me a job in New Mexico, my college coach, uh, and went out there for four years, a little over three as an assistant, had a good, you know, we had a good run out there, some really, really good teams in the Mountain West, uh, played in three tournaments, then came to, I had known Brian Wardle through Tom Crean, and when he got the Bradley job, it's a chance to come be a, you know, one of the top guys there and help run recruiting and that type of thing. So it was at Bradley the last seven years and then got a phone call to, from Wes and Mike Roberts, you know, uh, last summer, uh, at the end of last summer, as you guys would know, and asked if I'd be interested in coming over here in a different type of spot. Uh, but with the rule changes and the way college basketball is changing, like and the chance to work for Wes uh, and be at, Univer you know, be at Cincinnati, uh, a program that I'd watched and paid attention to my whole life like and the, what they were going through that was too big of an opportunity for me to not you know jump at and want to be a, just be a part of it in any way how was that as a kid growing up with a dad that was so involved in AAU I mean you, you say your dad's an AAU coach like it's a lot more than that for him <laughs> it isn't for some guys but for your dad like this is this has been like a, a lifelong like passion for him yeah, he started, um, like I said, when I, I mean, he's been doing it over 20 years and done it at a really, really high clip. I think he's been with, they actually was with Nike a few years, and now we're talking 20, um, 25 years ago. And they transitioned from the Bloomington Red to Indiana Elite and went to Adidas. And at that time, you know, Adidas was probably the, you know, premier AU circuit back when it was having the, what, it takes five on yeah. Cincinnati's campus. I was there. Yes. That was the first uh, time I ever saw Cashmere right. Yeah, so, I mean, and that was a lot of fun. I was still coaching then. You know, there were some wars back on those teams, and you had, you know, the old D.C. assaults, L.A. pump and run, yeah. Indiana Elite, the Celtics, um, you know, CIA bounce was just getting going out of Canada, um, KC pump and run, which is run GMC now. So it was a – it was a lot of fun. It was a, it was a lot of fun. I, I learned a ton, actually, you know, getting to be a head coach, just do, doing AAU, and I – I've learned every spot I've been at and it's been for different things, different reasons. I've really enjoyed it. And yeah, my dad's had a lot of success doing it. They've been one of the premier teams for a long time. He's enjoyed it. He likes helping kids. He's retired now. He worked, for, you know, so it just uh, gives him something to keep him young too. I think Cass played for Hoop Planet. Sounds familiar. Actually, I forgot about it. Yes. That's a, it was um, Darby in, uh, mm -hmm. in Georgia that had kind of broken off and started his own thing. And uh, that was that was Cash had just decommitted from Clemson like the week before. Wow! And the, you know Cincinnati was kind of kind of hovering as like the next <laughs> the potential landing spot. So uh, that's one of my my those those DC assault teams were loaded. Yes, and, and, and Celtics that was kind of their like they were still super hot back then too. All those teams were just uh, monsters. Yeah. That was that was really cool because I, I had not been indoctrinated into the AAU scene at that point in time. I was in my late twenties, huge basketball fan, but like to see that event come to Cincinnati and all of a sudden, you know, there's all these dudes and you're like, oh my god, 
gosh. Yeah. This is crazy. For sure. That was a lot Um, of fun. You get into, uh, you you start at Tennessee with Bruce Pearl. So you, by that point in time, you already had known, like, this is my path. This is (laughs) kind of what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think I figured that out in high school. That's really what I wanted. I wanted to try to be a college coach. Like, grow up watching Bobby Knight at Indiana. Um, you know, I became good friends with Mike Davis Jr. because he played with us in, in Bloomington, Mike Davis Sr.'s son. So, like, we'd go watch practices when Bob Knight was coaching, be scared to death up there in the stands. But it was awesome. And, like, watching the games. And, uh, you know, so I had a passion for college basketball in particular for a long, long time. And, you know, I, I wanted to be involved and I wanted to be a coach. And, so I got I started doing that at a pretty young age and trying to develop relationships and things like that. Bradley kind of really is where things took off for you. How much were you able to grow there, you know, just starting the process and understanding how big the recruiting world was and and what it took? Yeah, I mean, I was coming from New Mexico where I actually, you know, the last three years, you know, we were top 20 in the country three of those years. Yeah. And but they had, it was really going at a high level at that time. And we, uh, it came to Bradley and it was a total rebuild. They won like five games the year before we got there. And uh, it was a lot of recruiting responsibility, a lot of coaching responsibility, scouts. Um, and it was a total rebuild and just be thrown into that fire. Thanks to Brian Wardle. Like it was awesome. I think we all learned a ton um, through trial and error and to build it from, we won five games our first year, then like 13 then won like 23 or four years in a row, went to back-to-back NCAA tournaments. Unfortunately, our best team didn't get to play in the tournament because of COVID, but we had – the Missouri Valley goes a week early, so we had already won our conference tournament by like double digits. Um, so, you know, it was awesome. It was really fun, and, um, you know, and they still had it going. They, this year they won the regular season again. Um, so hopefully they can, they can keep doing that too. Did you know – I think Larry Davis finished runner-up for that job, the brand wow. new job. I did not know that. Yeah, because it like that was a, a thing at that time. I, like I was shocked to find out like how serious Bradley was about basketball when I heard like what their head coach made. I was like, mm-hmm. damn, that's that's not what mid major head coaches make. <laughs> like Bradley, Bradley's balling on a, a decent sized budget. And they uh, and they love it there. You know, we led the league in attendance almost every single year. They have a very passionate fan base there in um, Central Illinois. Like I actually. When I was when I forget me and I don't know if it was Coach Dollar or who were like in the back of uh, buildings of the of Cincinnati a couple weeks ago a month or two ago and we saw like and I'm gonna get the year wrong so you tell me you guys fix that I, yeah, but it was like uh, 19 it was like the old circular movie clips and it was like 1958 Bradley versus UC like back there in like the little circle thing you can plug into a film projector and I yeah. sent that to pic- just a picture of the that to a couple of Bradley fans and they were like beside themselves they were <laughs> old, old old conference foes yep. in, the, in the valley yeah. Dave so you know you, you said you got a call from Wes and Mike did you have much of a relationship with Wes previous how do you think you got connected with him and then when he calls you seeing if you're interested in joining the staff just kind of like what was take us through uh your initial reaction and, and what led you to accepting to come to uc yeah i i've known wes a little bit through just being at uh being on the circuit being out recruiting all the time from when he was at greensboro and like i've known because i grew up in bloomington and was friends with mike jr like i started playing with mike pickup with indiana's team when i was you know i was one of the better players in 
Bloomington in high school. So back then the rules were different. They needed numbers to play five on five during the summer because they wouldn't all be there and things like that. So me and Mike Jr. would play pickup a lot with Indiana players in uh, late high school, junior, senior year of high school. And Mike was on the team at that time, almost done. So I got to know Mike. We became um, pretty good uh, friends over the years. And I met Wes through Mike. And so there was a lot of familiarity there with both of them. And when he called and asked, like I was ex- gung-ho about it, excited to be, I know, knowing the tradition of Cincinnati, knowing what, you know, what's been done here, the fan base, knowing how good a coach Wes is and the staff with Coach Morgan and Coach Dollar. Like I knew they had a dynamite staff at a big time, you know, a top 25, you know, school in the country. And, that, you know, that's always been my dream in life to be a part of something like that. So it was an easy decision for me. So what is, you know, we know – titles and have a good idea but like when you came when you first came on what were some of like the main things that you were tasked to do and kind of whether it was evaluating the roster evaluating future potential roster additions like you know what is what is kind of your bread and butter that that Wes you know kind of honed in on you as a you know we need to get this guy to Cincinnati well it's kind of um morphed and stuff throughout throughout the year and times I think things always evolve but when I first came in it was uh West, the first thing he did is I came in at such a weird time. Like I was coming, like the preseason was in, in play. We had started preseason at Bradley. They had started preseason here. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, hey, look, see if you can poke holes in anything, anything you think we shouldn't, we're not, we're not really doing or we are doing. And there's probably a reason, but ask, you know, let me know just have different opinions. Like what were you guys doing in this situation? And then, you know, this year is a lot of helping, you know, working with the, uh, him in the offense, doing work, supporting you know, Andre, uh, Andre Morgan with scouts because we, we are we're all partnered with different people's why I specifically say his name uh, helping organize recruiting uh, you know I was allowed to make phone calls and texts so I was able to do a lot of recruiting legally from uh, from my role too so really kind of like you know you're historically maybe like an assistant to the head coach or uh, off you know off the road spot where you're allowed to do some recruiting do some basketball stuff you know Wes always had stuff to do and um which is awesome. Like, and he gave me a lot of, he let me do a lot of basketball stuff that I was legally allowed to do, which, you know, you never know when you're taking a new job, what it was going to be like, but it was awesome getting to see a new system, a new, new place uh, to have some of that responsibility was just really, really fun. Chad, are you there? Are you? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Um, No. Okay. Just want to make sure. (laughs) (laughs) There's like I said, eight o'clock right now in the Brendel household. I know. uh, A pretty, pretty chaotic time. Um, nice. So you get here. Longest game. Yeah, it was the longest game. Yeah. Uh, what eight, seven overtimes, eight overtimes, something like that. It was, yeah, it was a, it was, it was a, a journey. <laughs> um, you get here and you get act. Was it tough not being? in that role that you had now been in for what, I guess, 11 years, like trying to, to learn a different. Uh, yeah, it was, it was both challenging and rewarding. You know I mean? I, I loved learning a new system and like, just like the little intricacies of doing things different, you know, like I had been at Bradley when, uh, for seven years with Brian Wardle, like, and done a lot of the, a lot of coaching, a lot of scouting, um, where I could almost, you know, I knew exactly what he was going to say on most things. So like, just to see a totally different system, was um, daunting, you know, but also very refreshing. You know what I mean? It's nice to be refreshed in that and uh, to learn a lot, to learn from somebody different. See, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it, it was awesome. But, yes, was it a little 
was it hard at first from, you know, having that voice that, to going off? I'd be lying if I said it wasn't different. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it was very rewarding and um, refreshing, you know, just to, to do something new and learn a new style. Like it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, when you look at like how, how much easier was it? College coaching is an ego driven business. And sure, the, the guys, the, everybody's got their own, you know, drive and, and ability to look out for themselves. But was it a different deal here because of the guys you mentioned in, in Andre and in, in, in Chad Dollar and, and Mike? Yeah. And then you give me like Chris Lepore and Jake Thielen, like uh, DJ before he before he left. Like, I think Wes has just done a phenomenal job of hiring a staff where people aren't ego driven. I think they all understand, and I I firmly believe that. Like, if you win, it's gonna be great for everybody. It's gonna be great for the program. It's gonna be great for the staff. It's gonna be great for the players. It's gonna be great for the AD, the fans, the community. I think people get short sighted wanting to see their name in an article or a tweet or something like that when they can get on these staffs and and lose focus of what really makes it special, like the journey of who you're with and winning championships or competing for championships and that type of thing, like. That makes everybody look good. Everybody like, and everybody's taken care of, and everybody's happy. And I think that's something Wes has just done a phenomenal job when he's hiring really, really good and successful guys, but also guys that aren't ego driven, more success driven, and process driven, and and just want to see the kids do well and 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 the program do well, and understanding that that's great for everybody. So we'll get to the elephant in the room. We can't say specifics, but. In the basketball community, your mm-hmm. name is tied to a recruit. We won't say who. If you know, you know. Um, have you had to kind of feel like you had to shake that stigma of I'm not here? Like, I didn't get hired because my name is tied to a prospect. I got hired because I've got legitimate chops as a basketball coach and a recruiter beyond being tied to one name. Yeah, I don't know who you're talking about. But no, and I'm not, not allowed to talk about recruits, but I, I don't like I, no. the staff has been awesome. Like it was never about one one thing. Um, you know, everyone was adamant about that. It's never about one thing. It was about a whole body of work. And I think I don't think Wes would have the staff he had if he hired anyone that was only good at one thing or only tied to one. Th- like, you know, on, this guy can only fill out good call log sheets. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he's hired well-rounded people that can do everything. And maybe they excel at one thing a little more like all of us, you know, some people are better at math than science, but you know, if you go, probably most people at Harvard could do it all, you know what I mean? Um, so like he's hiring people that are, have no ego and can do a little bit of everything. And, uh, and that's ultimately what's going to make a successful program in my opinion. And I believe his based off how he's, how he's hired. If you get too short-sighted in anything that will always, that, Usually in anything business or anything that usually bites you in the uh, butt, I'll say in the long run. You can say bad words here. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chelsea has an important question for you for Chelsea. Uh, You've been in the car a lot with Wes. You've been around (laughs) Wes a lot. Has he ever listened to Taylor Swift in your company? I actually don't know, but I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out tomorrow if he uh, still likes Taylor Swift or not. Most of the time when I'm in the car where I'm driving and he's making and he's making recruiting calls or, or dealing with me, <laughs> not as fun as recruiting calls. Dave, do you, when it comes to recruiting, do you focus primarily on 
anything? Is it high school transfer portal, uh, or or do you have some connections that lend themselves better to to one versus the other? And just kind of, you know, from from a staff standpoint, how do you think you guys work together on recruiting? You brought in a really nice transfer portal hole. Um, you know, what was it about those guys that you that you guys focused in on and felt were were needed to be Bearcats? All right. Um, well, first, we work really well as a staff. I mean, we have numerous group threads with, you know, and stuff like that. Where we're always updating each other, always picking each other's brains on what we need to do. Like we tag team a lot, a lot, a majority of the recruiting, especially as we get farther and farther down the line with the guys. Um, I think we felt like we had some needs on our team and, you know, I don't know if it's shot blocking or I'm just making up anything in basketball or shooting or whatever. And we, we went and tried to target guys. We thought really addressed some of those needs and complimented our other guys who are really good coming back, uh, but would make them look more successful too, because they complement each other so well. So on that front, kind of looking at some things we felt like we needed to address and attacking it. And then on like the recruiting front, like we kind of have areas we recruit and stuff, but I think more than that, it comes down like if there's a great player, you know, we'll take a we'll take a shot at it no matter what. But a lot of times it, it comes down to relationships, like in any business, and like the relationships you've established over the the your career. You know, it could be somebody you helped out 15 years ago that all of a sudden is helping with a kid now, and they remember that. And you know, if you take care of them, they take care of you. And but it's a two way street, and I think a lot of it is you know just relationship driven. And I think when a kid's going to make a decision, you want to. To have a real shot, you want somebody that's sitting at that, you know, metaphorical table at the end of the day that's at least going to be your champion. And maybe they get beat sometimes. Maybe your champion loses that round, you know, a gladiator. But if you don't even have a champion at the table, man, it's off. Like, there better be some emotional ties to the schools, locational ties, uh, something of that that structure, in my opinion. Okay. First word that come. hold on. First word that comes to mind when I say recruiting the portal is blank. Tricky. <laughs> there's just a lot of landmines you can step on, but there's still like there's really good people in there too that just that for one reason or another needed to be at a different place. Um, and there's a thousand reasons, but it is tricky. Like it's speed dating. Like you're meeting somebody very very quickly, and you got to do a lot of background information. You got to see how you guys gel. Like how, how does it fit the team, the culture. So there's definitely a lot of uh, it's definitely tricky. There's definitely a lot of landmines um, that you got to kind of sidestep as you're going through the process and make sure you do your best to avoid. I was just going to introduce them to Pickle. Oh, she's she's the over third, on the, the third. Over. It's the third member of the team. She's over on the side table. right now. She she likes the she. Although the past couple of weeks, Dave, I think she's gotten bored yeah. with the airtime. The, the third member. Hmm. Well, I mean, the on air, like you're behind the scenes. She's she's more front facing on this show than you, Aaron. Yeah, she's uh, yeah, she's, she's she used to just sit there and we would have staring contests. I know, people. hasn't been as involved, uh, but no, she she's she's she she had the limelight and now she's kind of she's taking a backseat a little bit. Um, recruiting has taken such a interesting turn over the past three, like you know since. NIL and being allowed to have an agent and the transfer portal from, from your perspective, how different is it now? Because it used to be, you mainly dealt with the high school coaches and then Mm -hmm. you dealt with the AAU guy or, or their workout guy or 
whoever the the point of contact was and now a lot of these guys are having have agents which in in this day and age is the the intelligent thing to do Mm -hmm. how much from a coaching standpoint is it trying to figure out the question has always been like who's got the juice Mm -hmm. in this recruitment is it a kid that their parents uh are going to be you know the ones that are driving a decision is it going to be a coach now is it going to be an agent it's like how has that changed and how do you navigate those waters to where finding out who's got the juice is, is a whole different world these days? Uh, for sure. And I think, I think you, especially with the high school kids, I think you still have to have relationships with AAU coaches and high school coaches, but especially with the transfers as they get older and especially with the COVID kids that are eligibilities up, like I think your relation, if you're a recruiter or a staff, I think your relationship with agents, right, wrong, or indifferent, is going to be just as important as anything as far as landing those kids. Because, like, they're going they, – yeah, they care about NIL. I'm not going to say they don't. But they do want their kids to go somewhere and be successful and play in the right system and be with people they trust. And they don't want to lose the kid if they send them to a certain school as, as the agent. You know what I mean? It's like – so you got to have a good – like, now you better, over the course of the year, develop relationships with some of these agents that are going to be a lot, uh, involved in the NIL space and not just be calling – don't just call them in April and May. Like, you wouldn't want to just call an AAU coach, at, you know, at the end of the year when you needed something. Like, you better develop some real relationships with these guys um, to where you can trust them not to burden you, but, but they can also trust you to make sure, you know, that you're going to look out for, uh, you know, look out for their guys. With this – you know, when you add in the guys that you brought in, in from the portal to the cup, you know, the high school, junior college guards, and then the returning team, where do you, you know, obviously we're June 1st, long way from the season, but where do you think you guys are, um, you know, where did you guys really hit it big and really got, got done what you wanted to get done and kind of like where you think the roster is now compared to, you know, in March and going forward into the big 12. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, for one, I think we took really good kids character-wise, which we had good kids last year. I think Wes is going to always make sure he has good kids in his program. And ultimately, I think you win that way. Um, So I think we did a good job on the character space. Um, But I think we found guys that really complemented the guys we have. Like, the pieces fit really well together on May 31st. You know, um, maybe there's things that we you see later down the line. But I think we have hungry kids that want to work. I mean, they're living in the gym. Um, But I think we did address, like, fitting the puzzle together. Like, any deficiencies we might have had, I do think we did our best to address them. And maybe some more come available later that, that, you know, we didn't see or not. But I I think, you know, we had a very clear vision of what we want, what what Coach wanted to do and, and did our best to execute that. This week is is obviously a big week in college basketball. Not a lot of people realize it, but summer workouts can start June 1st. That's generally when you get most, if not all, of your team on campus. As a coach, how much do you guys get kind of re-energized by that? Everybody's here. We've got workout plans. We've got practice plans. Like We've mm-hmm. got development sessions. How, how much does that kind of – spark you back up after two months of of AAU and recruiting and transfer portal and it's a lot of fun man and it does really really rejuvenate you after wading through the transfer portal wall uh 
waters for a couple of months and recruiting, like to have like all the guys and the returners, especially who have such a good relationship, to have all the returners and the new guys back on campus. And they're all like to have them all here now and to have workouts going this week. It is refreshing. It's fun. It's fun to, you know, it's like, you know, seeing your family again and having them all back around and all the newcomers being around and just seeing it, the, the journey starting to begin and the group starting to mix. That's a lot. It's a lot, a lot of fun. And to see what you have and what you need to work on. Cause no matter what, you can be the number one team in the country or 365 on Ken Palm. Like you're going to have warts, you know, there's no perfect team. Your team's going to have to disguise some things or do things differently. And um, it's just, it's a lot, a lot of fun to start to see your strengths. Question from the chat. Mike wants to know from a coaching staff standpoint, how do you deal with the question marks regarding the waiver requests for Aziz and, Jamil, who are second time transfers and the unknown with the NCAA, who uh, says one thing and does another a lot of the time. How do you how do you handle that? Um, I mean, not being quite like just doing we're going to do the very best job we can. And we have a phenomenal, phenomenal administration, a phenomenal compliance staff, uh, a lot of people to lean on, um, a lot of resources to um, we obviously feel strongly about those kids and the reasons for taking them. And um, we're going to work our tails off, you know, tails at it and, uh, you know, go through the process and see what happens. Speaking of Aziz, how, how interesting is it a, a situation like that where you got a chance unexpectedly to play against a kid and then next thing you know, you, you see him in the transfer portal. Does that make it a hell of a lot easier to go? Yeah, we, uh, we don't have to look at much tape. We are pretty sure that dude's good. <laughs> yeah, it was a. I've never been a part of anything like it. It was a very unique um, experience to play. You know, to play against him um, and what he brings to a game: the shot blocking, the rim presence, the way he runs the floor. Like you know, some things we needed to address, um, and then for it to come up. Sometimes life comes for full circle and uh, get involved. And uh, but yeah. I mean, there wasn't a lot of tape. Like we had watched plenty of tape getting ready for the game and after the game of, you know, watching it. So it wasn't the same conversations or the same tape watching that goes on with most of the transfers. We as fans have <clears throat> been UC fans a long time. You've been here a couple of years, so you, you're not going to be as familiar with everything that's happened in the past. But from just a Big 12 standpoint, how much does that truly – matter to you guys now how much does it really get talked about or do we does it is it obviously it matters but like is, do fans blow it out of proportion or is that a real thing that you can quantifiably tell a difference from maybe even last year to this year a huge difference like a huge like gigantic i mean there's like even in recruiting in my opinion like there's some people you'll call and i'm not saying this is right or wrong this is just fact i mean there's some kids you'll call that still thought you're in the american be like oh i'm not interested you know hey we're going to the big 12 this oh really oh yeah i'm interested what's that? like <laughs> like nothing else changed um so yes uh i think it's a big difference and i just think for the type of program cincinnati is a top 25 historical program in college bat in college basketball like they should we should we should be in a uh, you know, a league like that. And right now it's the best basketball league in the country. And that's not really an argument. Like every, you know, every computer number thing that judges it tells you that it's the best basketball league in the country. Um, so to, to be in the best basketball league at one of the best basketball jobs, I mean, I think it's a, 
it's awesome. And it makes a world of difference for recruits, for hiring, for simple economics. Like you're not, the schools that aren't in those leagues are not going to be able to economically keep up no matter how hard they try. Uh, Jason, I just want you to know, I'm not going to ask this question because he's not allowed to answer it. They are the, technically by NCAA <laughs> rule. They're not allowed to publicize anything that happens in summer workouts. That's why I'm not allowed to go, which I think is the dumbest shit on the planet. I'm not allowed to attend summer workouts. They're not allowed to talk about summer workouts. It's really dumb. And I'm sure he would have a great answer, but I'm not allowed to uh, ask him about that. So I will ask him this. As you go through summer workouts, what is what are you guys looking to accomplish? What it like are you looking to see exactly where, and I'm sure you are, to see exactly where Day Day and Jizzle uh, are in their development, in their ability to step in and be ready from day one? Are you looking to to see exactly how John Newman's knee responds? Like, what are some of those things at the top of the list of uh, what you want to get accomplished this summer? I mean, I think the, both those point guards named are really good basketball players, obviously. Yeah. So, um, and the, we have extreme faith in that. So, um, but I think we do want to, you know, come together as a team, get to know each other. Like, yeah, us as coaches, we think we know the strengths and weaknesses of certain players, but how that morphs together, I think we just want to learn a lot more about. I think we want to first be in the day of averaging, adding, you know, half your roster each year. It's not like the old days we had two or three freshmen coming in. Like, you got to really become a team during the summer which Wes has preached and then we got to learn about our team too as coaches like what are our strengths what are our weaknesses what is there anything we need to address like what do we need to really focus on when this, the fall comes so, so we're like if you know I think we'll be a very good rebounding team but so let's use that as if that was the weakness man we better just destroy the weight room and destroy the board working on box outs like we got to find our strengths and weaknesses uh right now and just learn about our team but also become a team um, and really get to know each other well, uh, well, because it's different than it used to be. It's not, you know, it's not 11 returners. You guys, uh, you know, lose a couple of your, uh, you know, quote unquote, go-to guys. And one guy in Dave is true. You know, was really the leader of the team. How do, you know, leaders always need to emerge on their own, but you know, mm -hmm. who do you think might be kind of next in line, to maybe, you know, pick up that role. Again, obviously, we're just starting the offseason. A lot of things still have to come to fruition. But, you know, there's a pretty big void there, and someone will need to kind of come, come up to be the voice of the of the team. Yeah, I think um, it'll probably, like you said, it has to happen naturally. I think we obviously have some strong candidates, you know. But it has to um, – and then sometimes, like, this is a go-to player, it's by committee. It's not – you're very rarely going to replace, you know, one elite person for – one elite person for the same – the exact same position. But can two or three guys getting better that return plus what you added become more than that? I think that happens a lot, um, if that makes sense, how I'm how I'm wording it. But, like, like John, like you just brought John, he was a tremendous leader. Like, it really – it really um, zapped us a little bit and we lost – him at the beginning of last year now we have a lot of guys that are older though too now you got vic odie dan all these guys are coming back josh reed sage like you have a lot of guys now that are back that are kind of through that first year that i think are going to have bigger voices we got the two point guards who are obviously um extremely talented like one of like 
they got to have a voice. So I, I think a, it's going to have to be through different people and it's going to have to emerge naturally a little bit. But I think we have a lot of um, candidates. Like, um, I don't think that will be an issue for these guys. You have a a lot of new pieces, but it's generally a pretty old mm-hmm. team. How do you go – and now going to the Big 12, how have you guys kind of looked at scheduling – in this situation when you're moving to this type of a conference, but you also have an older team, even though the guys haven't all played together, you're not bringing in, you know, five, six, seven freshmen. Is, does that give you an opportunity to maybe challenge yourself a little bit more in the non-conference, even though you know it's going to be quite a step up in the, in the conference season? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think, you, uh, you know, we have an experienced team that's played a lot and we'll have some games that really challenge us. Um, and I also think that's the benefit of like we talked about earlier, like if you're in the, even in the American league, you know, there's only, which was one of the, it's still a top eight league in the country, top 10 league. Um, especially if you go any lower than that, there's still only like, you know, a couple nights a year in conference play that can affect your, well, that can positively affect your resume. There's a 80% of the nights can negatively affect it. Um, we're in the big 12. There's not many nights that can hurt your resume. And there's a lot, a lot of nights that can help it. Um, so the fact you're going to play in the best basketball league and there's going to be a chance for a quad one or two win dang near every night. Um, I don't think from a tournament's perspective, you have to, but we're going to always challenge ourselves. We're always going to play a really good non-conference schedule to get ready for that grind and to get ready for, uh, those teams you're about to play in the, in the big 12. What's your take on this kind of new phenomenon that NIL is going to be involved in? potentially neutral site games, potentially multiple team events um, going forward. Mm-hmm. Like how good do you think that is for the whole system that now there are going to be some events where, you know, players can kind of get their cut. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for the players getting their cut um, and they deserve it. The tricky part is trying to understand the rules to all of it. Cause it sure. doesn't matter who, like who you ask, you're going to get, you get a different answer every couple of days. And I don't mean like, so it's very, very tricky to make sure. And it, sometimes the NCAA comes back with different interps in the same year. I mean, we have a committee that meets regularly just to try to stay on top of this at Cincinnati. And, you know, John Cunningham's been at the forefront of that, way ahead of everybody, like everybody, and on top of it every single day. But I think it's great for, I think it's good for the guys. Uh, it's tricky to try to, to schedule and stay on top of it to make sure, you know, because, it was legal, then illegal, then illegal again, if it's done a certain way. So it's just uh, trying to navigate it like that until I think the next one to two years are going to be, are just very tricky trying to make sure you navigate it the right way in the legal way. By, Cause it's just like the question earlier, it's so easy to just accidentally uh, do something you're not supposed to do. Right. But I you think after answered that, that question, yeah. yeah. Thinking about that. It's, like yes, that's one of the big things. And scheduling these games with NIL is kind of the same way. So as yeah. it gets a little more clear, and, and we'll be at the forefront of that. If when it's like we will be at the forefront of doing that. So, but we got to make sure that you know we do it the right way, and that um, and in years to come, I think it'll be very very clear on what you're allowed to do and not to do. With the the numbers edition, I mean, I I, I haven't seen it made official or how that's gonna, but. The expectation is that, that now that five coaches, five assistants are able to be on the floor of practice, how excited are you to uh, to not have to bite your lip at practice and to be able to get back out there? 
it's I'm really excited. I mean, and that's a that's awesome just to be able to have a you know have a voice on the floor and be on because I think that's also the time you build some of your best relationships with the players. You know what I mean? Is when you're on the floor with them. It's just you know rebounding in an empty gym, whatever it may be. Like you uh, have some of your best uh, memories and build your best relationships that way. Heck, I, I think best people memories. don't realize that, Drew. Like, no, what's crazy? Like, so my best memories are just going to the gym with my dad and my dad rebounding for me and just and just shooting. Yeah. You know, like, but I do think that's where you de- like. It's crazy, but you develop your best relationships just just in a gym working with a guy. And last year, you, Jake Thielen, Chris Lepore, you guys were not allowed to go into a gym and rebound. We could, if, if, theoretically, they couldn't have shot a free throw. I mean, walked under the hoop and grabbed it and passed it back to them by right. the NCAA rule. Yeah, it's insane. Some of that so. stuff is so dumb. But what's crazy, and I couldn't coach him, but theoretically I could stand on the sideline and say, hey, hey, uh, Andre, tell them, you know, make sure you tell so-and-so to go set a pick there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. So, uh, Dave, you got any more basketball stuff? I'm all straight, man. Let's, uh, Let's get to the important stuff. How's the transition to Cincinnati been for the fam? They love it. I don't know if I'll ever get them to leave. My Who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, they really do. <laughs> My wife's from New Mexico. I met her when I was actually at New Mexico. And she was like, I had no idea how nice Cincinnati was. Like, this is unbelievable. And then my two daughters are six and four and run the house. And, that, I mean, I they think they're city girl. They, they don't ever want to leave Cincinnati. Wait till they're 12. <laughs> uh, Mike wants to know, and this you're asking an Adidas guy this, so it's a tricky question. Do recruits care about the Jordan brand switch? Yes. Yeah, I mean, ever like, and it's not just not the Jordan brand is the. I mean, that's the premier brand. Like, how could you not be excited uh, about that? And yes, I mean, I AAU coaches, uh, a, agents are get excited about you talk to and say, "Hey, I see your Jordan. I I need a couple of shoes sent my way during this year." So, <laughs> agents, players. Yeah. Yeah, coaches, I need a, I need a I couple mean, five stars. So you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. Um, so no. I mean, it makes a big difference. I mean, to have the the by far, you know, the premier brand in college basketball, like it doesn't. That's awesome. Do recruits know that Cincinnati was like the original? Uh, some do, some do, but like a lot, it's usually more a really cool story to tell a recruit. And they're like, really? Wow. Like, yeah. dang, I didn't know that. Like, so it's something to talk about. And trust me, when you're talking to these dudes every day, every other day, you run out of stuff to talk about. So, um, but they really, I mean, they love that. All right. Let's get back to the Cincinnati stuff. That popped up. <laughs> uh, do you get, do you have any, what, what are the go-to food spots for Drew Adams around town? What are my go-to food spots? I mean, I've loved Jeff Ruby's. <laughs> but what's crazy wow, is I wow. go there on recruiting visits. I haven't taken my wife yet. So every time uh, every time I go, I almost get in trouble. <laughs> You're really going out on a limb with that. I like Jeff Ruby's. Man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, she, uh, yeah, that's a sore spot in our house, actually, because uh, she has really wanted to uh, – to do that um you know what when i first got here matt miller told me to go to holtman's donuts and that was incredible i don't know if that's like that's a good one yeah uh, this is good i loved holtman's donuts if you're Uh, an east sider i don't know you don't have to tell us where you live i'm just gonna say if you're an east sider three locations 
shameless plug Marcella's donuts. Really? Better. Marcella, uh, I think I have had those. Uh, I don't like, I have actually had those and they're very, very, very good. My family are like, I mean, that's why I'm fat, like right now, but they're like, <laughs> I have to get back in shape on the floor. <laughs> like, my daughters want to try, like, they saw, like, my six year old saw a list of like the top 10 ice cream places in in Cincinnati. She wants, she's on a mission. We're trying all 10 this summer. Oh, and, take, uh, you got you to take her to Golden Gelato. I we know, need a, it was on the list, but I've not gone to Golden Gelato yet. My, need a, so the guy that owns Golden Gelato married me and Kelly. He was the official wow. at our wedding. So if you drop my name, there aren't and, any places you can drop my name. the peanut gallery just yelled down that we have been to Marcello's Donuts and, and the family loves it. <laughs> we need to get a review of all the ice creams. We'll bring your daughter on the – because Chad and I are – Short and fat and love to eat food. So this, this any food segment fits in this show. We'll bring her on each time she tries one, and we'll get a we'll get a rating oh, from her. She would love that. She would. I mean, and she is six going on about twelve, like you guys know. Um, the other place now, I'm going to say it. I'm going to probably get crucified by Cincinnati. Uh, I went to a wing place that was awesome on the east side. But like, is it crazy or wild Mike's? Crazy wild Mike's. Mike's. What is it, wild Mike's? Wild Mike's. I really liked that place when I went there. Wild Mike's is phenomenal. Yeah. Yes, I mean I love. There's uh, a lot of good wings in Cincinnati too. Knockback Nats downtown. Yeah, have you been to Knockback Nats? I have not. It's right downtown. What seventh and? Oh uh, yeah, I think so. Seventh and Vine, something like that. They do. They have smoked wings. Their wings are phenomenal. Yeah, I got to try. I, it's I, a good. It's a good dive bar with some with some wings. Uh, I, I, it's my type of spot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's divey. It's as divey as it gets. But yeah. If you need any of the any spots, let let us know. No, I, I'm I plan on expanding <laughs> a little bit this summer and hitting up a uh, getting around a little bit. It is on Seventh Street. Yes, can confirm. I, I wasn't sure if it was Vine. So I think it's, it's no. It's Vine. A, I think it's a little further east than okay. than Vine. I do. I was right on. I was I was confident on Seventh. Just wasn't confident on the cross street. Might be, I don't know. Um. Anyway. It what, is. What'd you go with I got wild it. What'd you say? What sauce do you go with? Wild between Mike's? I. Go ahead, Aaron. Between vine and race, just between vine and race, I'll get out of here. Do you go Mike's mix? Um, I actually told the. I just wanted buffalo ones, but I told her it was my first time, and she's like, "No, no, no." She ended up bringing me like some of every single flavor. It was the I don't know. I wish I knew oh. her name, but she was the best like bartender ever. So, so I tried a, every I'm single a, one. I'm a Carolina Gold guy. I love Carolina Gold, Carolina barbecue sauce on wings. I think it is the superior wing vehicle. It's a terrible take. It's a great take. <laughs> I also am a like hard stance ranch guy when it comes to wings. Oh, that's yeah, a terrible take them. too. I, I, I hate blue cheese. Blue cheese. Get, get out of here. <laughs> Six-year-old Carolina Gold and ranch dressing? Uh, oh, now I did try their blue cheese, <laughs> and it was the only blue cheese I've ever been able to eat. Roosters, Roosters wings, blue cheese, knocks it out of the world. Wow, I'm gonna have to try. I will it. say, uh, pizza wise, Adriatico's right by oh, campus yeah. is oh, unbelievable. Yeah. You know the secret ingredient in Adriatico sauce? Why it's spicy? Uh oh, they make the sauce with banana pepper juice. Wow, get some get a couple, a, get a couple bear cats, a couple pitchers of beer. Yeah. My family also loves Dewey's pizza. It's close to it's not too far from our house. Like they love Dewey's. Very good. Dewey's is excellent. Um, are you are you a Mio's guy? Has has Lapore got you hooked on Mio's? Yeah. Me those little pretzel uh, 
appetizer bites. Yeah. Pretzel bites are pretty big time. Oh, I'm so also, right great now. environment to go into, too. You know what I mean? Absolutely like, garbage dinner, and I'm starving right now. <laughs> I, That's right, G Mac. Mike's mix is Mike's mix is every flavor they have of wing sauce combined. Wow. Yeah. That's what that's that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're big foodies here. I love so, it. There's a lot got, I want to try. We got to get you to Galactic. I, I, I want to badly. Maybe, it, maybe I'll get with Shane one day and we'll bring some up for the staff. Uh, my yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah. My daughter's a big fried chicken and she loves wings with no sauce. And fried chicken. Those are her two her favorite, you know. Like like on the bone fried chicken or like chicken fingers? No, like on the bone fried chicken. Oh, oh wow. Wing, wing plate at Galactic. Yes. Yeah. She loves or, it. Or the and drum, she doesn't like the buffalo. Plate. She loves buffalo wings too, but no sauce on them. Just like just smoked or fried, whatever. She doesn't care, but no sauce. All right. Well, we also have to get you when you go, I'm serious. When you go to Golden Gelato. Joe and Vanessa are the owners. They're very close friends. Tell them I sent you. It's it's one of the few places in town where we'll that, give me that I've out. got the juice that, that they're going to be like, oh, yeah. They're going to be like, yeah, you paid double. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David, what's your favorite place? For? Anything. Favorite food. You got one? Oh, okay. So if you're going to get tacos, you need to go to Mazente oh. off, Red, off Red Bank. Steak, I'm a Ruby's guy. No, that's not a hard one. Wings, I grew up in Springboro, which is like 45 minutes north. Roosters was right in my hometown, so I'm a Roosters till I die. Chicken wing guy. Uh, trying to think what else. Bolang Thang, down in Finley Market. Uh, probably some of the best um, Vietnamese food of old pho in the winter. They don't. Nobody beats that. Oh man, let's see. I don't know. That's that's what comes to comes to my mind right off the bat. Nice. I got a couple to try then. I'm uh the city is missing premier Italian, unfortunately for me, being Italian. There it's it's there's a couple of good spots, but there needs to be more. Um Pepin Dolores is solid. It is. It is. Uh I, I only only cheese conies being Italian, you can't put shredded cheddar cheese on spaghetti. That's like sacrilegious. So, yeah. I like so he the only eats cheese cone. He loves cheese conies, but no yeah. three ways. Yeah. But um, the Italian stallion sandwich at, um, now I'm drawing a blank, on Short Vine. Oh, what is that? It's a Steelers bar. Martino's. Martino's, yeah. What was it called? I, what was the sandwich called? The Italian Stallion. They're like, they're half. Their their full sandwich is basically like two, like twelve inch hoagies. So, <laughs> wow. Hey, are you? What's the what's the Cincinnati chili take? We gotta know. Well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna get himself in trouble here. You can tell it already. Not, not, not with me. I'm. Hey, if I actually like, like the fifth. <laughs> you, you I actually like, like the chili like dogs. Like. I like the chili dogs. I'm getting used to the uh, spaghetti and chili. Don't get used to it. Just bypass it. It's not worth. No, it. I uh, I really like the chili dogs. Chili cheese fries are good too. 
Graders? Are you a Graders guy? Love Graders. Uh, Montgomery Inn? Uh, I liked Montgomery Inn. I haven't been in a while, but yeah, I went, when I, that was one of the first places I went to, actually, when I got here. I, I like Montgomery Inn. Very good. All right. Some people, I like Montgomery Inn. You have to know what it is. You're not getting smoked wings. You're getting <laughs> baked wings. You just got no, like to know what you're getting into. The kettle chips and barbecue sauce, elite. La Rosa's. I actually, I, I like La Rosa's. too sweet? No, I like La, La Rosa's. I probably put the other two a, a, a little ahead of it, in my opinion. Um, but uh, I like La Rosa's. Yeah, I like here's the big, There's not much pizza I won't eat. Here's the big question, and if you haven't done it, you probably need to do it tomorrow. <laughs> Have you been to Island Fridays? I have. We've actually used it a couple times, and it is very, very good. That's my favorite food in the city. Really? That, very yeah, good. The the jerk chicken, the rice and peas with gravy, the the steamed cabbage, the fried plantain. I could, actually I had could it, eat uh, that five days a week. actually had it on Aziz's visit. That's, uh, you know who I used to see there all the time? Who? I used to see Abdul, Abdul there all the time. Really? Yeah, I would I would be like waiting for my order, and Duel would just pull up after practice or something, and I would be like, we catered like oh, a course. bunch in for it, and it was awesome. It was, it was yeah. we tried about everything. I love it. One of my favorites. All right, I think we've uh, put you through the ringer enough. We've given you the Cincinnati quiz. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate been, uh, it. It's it's been great getting to getting to have you on, letting the fans get to know you a little bit. Chelsea wants to know if you've been to Steak and Lemonade. I've been to Steak and Lemonade one time. Yes, I did. <laughs> also and I like very it. good. Yeah, very, very, very good. good. It was very good. I'm trying to eat health, a little healthier here uh, this summer, but I, it was very good. That's Yeah, this isn't a good place for that. <laughs> the food scene is actually really good. Really good. I Really good. I know I'll get off here and it'll be like five places. I'll be mad. Like, why didn't I talk about that place? <laughs> well, none of us are paying none of them are paying us so you can talk about whoever you want galactic fried chicken well, and the holy grail are paying us so yes, you can talk about them all you want holy grail is this <laughs> show galactic is you know all the some of the other ones so but yeah those are our two big sponsors it's food awesome. wise we appreciate it brother it's been no uh, i appreciate you guys thank you it's uh, I'm glad everybody got a chance to know you. And it's been really cool for me seeing somebody that, you know, I met, I met you like at the very beginning of my yes. kind of career. And at the beginning of yours, I don't think you had even, or you had just taken the GA job at New Mexico, Tennessee, or at Tennessee when I yeah. first met you. Yes. Um, unfortunately, I think we were introduced by B snow, which <laughs> I think you you're know. probably right. You know, love and hate relationship with B Snow. You love to hate him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's been uh, it's been a pleasure, and can't wait to have you on more down the road. And uh, good luck with workouts and getting this team ready uh, through the summer, and uh, hopefully some big wins in recruiting that, that they continue. I hope so. You like family I mean, like Cincinnati. Some some might say you have a type, big men that block shots. 
<laughs> just I'm not saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> I appreciate you guys a lot. Thank All you. Right, we'll talk Thank again you. soon, Drew. Appreciate Bye. you, brother. There you go, Drew Adams. The asso- I think associate athletic director for basketball, essentially, essentially like the the GM for the basketball. Hey, when program. when you got Big Twelve money now, you can make up a bunch of random titles to give people raises and hire more staff. Well, and you can go hire what was essentially the number one assistant in the Missouri Valley Conference. Right. Uh, you can hire him. You know, Aaron, can you tap in for a second? Yep. All right. All right. That was, <laughs> that, that was a uh, great, great to have Drew on. Talked a lot of hoops, a lot of his uh, his career before Cincinnati, and then uh, a good portion of the the food food segment there, which clearly put Chelsea on a heater. She's in the chat, just blasted me for about Soto. I like Soto just fine. I want more. I'm an Italian guy. I need more than like two spots. It's like the the, one. What's the place up on the hill uh, next to um, up in. Oh, damn it. I think think Drew thought that was the end of the show, Dave. He called to ask how how I thought it went. (laughs) We we still have like an hour of show left to do. You were great. you were, it was awesome. We still got a lot to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I thought Chelsea and I were like on the same team with our love for roosters. And then she just comes over the top and she's like, so what about Soto? I like Soto. There's, okay, there's, there's a spot up on the hill on the west side that overlooks the city. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, I know what you're incline? talking about. No. Well, it's right, right next to, it's right, right next to Incline right Public House. house. Yep, I know what we're talking about. That's that's very good too. Yep. But um, uh, yeah, so that was Drew Adams. I think that was a good chance for everybody to get to to get to know Drew a little bit, get to meet Drew, and and find out what he's all about. He's an awesome dude. Like I said, I've known him for fifteen years now, and uh, Prima Vista. Prima Vista. That's, the, that's the one. Yeah. Jesus, so, Chelsea just had all sorts of extra. Eyes in there. <laughs> Premia Vistia. Mrs. Mother Bearcat Journal Twitter just coming Look, in with the. And, and, and she, I'm, I'm not surprised that she knows the Italian spots. She's not the Italian one. That, that, that side. Well, uh, she, she knows. Come she's, on. Yeah. She's, she's one with the culture now. You're oh, not giving sure. her enough credit. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But uh yeah, so what 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 shall we talk about now? I just saw a pretty stunning thing on the Twitter that is not UC related. Uh um, okay. Deron Holmes is coming back to UD, which I did definitely did not see coming. So uh <laughs> it, he Drew also texted me the cronuts from Marcel oh, are all awesome. oh. There's one by my house. I guess we get it a lot. My wife is mad at me. <laughs> yeah. Those are those are damn good, man. Yeah. I'm a cinnamon cinnamon sugar twist guy, and they do it right. And a nice ice cold chocolate milk. That go. goes goes in the freezer for five to ten minutes before I you know, so it's 
Wait a and, minute. Weren't you calling them six-year-olds for using ranch? And here you are with your cinnamon and sugar donuts. What else do you eat? What else do you, what else do you drink with a donut? <laughs> what do you drink with a donut? You are unbelievable. <laughs> I don't think that's unbelievable at all. <laughs> that he has to put in the freezer for 10 minutes to oh get a little God. lumpy. Unbelievable. Because I, like, I don't like milk, but I like it if it's extremely <laughs> yeah. cold. Giant man child. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Ranch is gross. I, I like I enjoy ranch. I know that's fine. But you know what my favorite was, Dave? Uh, my favorite one of my favorite Kelly things. She hated blue cheese, but she loved Gorgonzola. And I oh, was like, there's that's a huge some, that's just that's like a literally like a cousin in Kentucky. <laughs> No, it's it's like it, it, it's just an Italian name for blue cheese. It's just fucking blue cheese. Yeah, they're in, <laughs> they're in the same family. No, they're the same thing. I don't even think they're the same family. I think they're literally the same. The taste of them are exactly the same. They just have different names. And Kelly hated one and loved the other. Yeah, I'll have gorgonzola <laughs> sauce with my wings instead of blue cheese. <laughs> and she would have been like, oh yeah. I'll take some gorgonzola sauce with my wings. Dip it right in that. That's delicious. You want some blue cheese? Oh, that's nasty. Yeah. Blue cheese, I just don't like the aftertaste. Yeah, it's fine. You know, it is what it is. Um, all right, where do you want to go from here? Uh, I don't know. Where do you want to go? I didn't prepare anything, so. Uh, that's, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah, you're getting heat for a falling tang and calling it foe. I don't. It's I don't, pho. I don't care. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> T wins. I never. I'm never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, UConn. Is going to be in the Big Twelve by the time we do this show next week? Maybe. Maybe. Um, there is, you know. Back, you know, our fan base is quite used to all of this shit. Um, back in the day, there would be no news or no conversation, even like room, nothing. All of a sudden, boom, Pitt and Syracuse are leaving the Big East. Like, yeah, nothing. And now, you know, when Oklahoma and Texas left the Big 12. It was, you know, fairly obvious based on the last time that when we went through the dog and pony show and then they decided not to expand, that that was likely going to be the case. And people didn't, people didn't really care talking about it. Um, but I'm still like, I still don't believe anything because I just, I won't believe that like all these people are like, yeah, it's about to happen. Or like, I'm hearing this and, and that I'm supposed to believe it. Um, I believe Colorado a lot more than I believe UConn. <clears throat> there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation around Colorado as well. Uh, I mean, I think it's it's not a surprise Dion wants in the Big Twelve because he knows he can't recruit to Colorado without being able to say like I'm really recruiting Texas. Right. It, yeah. Whether it's high school kids or transfer kids, like. SMU is making a living off of these like bounce back guys that want to come back and play in in Dallas in Texas after they go somewhere else. 
Dion's probably going to be like, why would you go there? You can just come here. We're going to play down in Texas multiple times a year. We're not that far away. Like, it makes more – like, I'm not – none of these options, I'm like, oh, hell yes, let's make it happen. Like, they're, they all have their flaws or whatever. Colorado and Arizona, to me, make the most sense. I do think there's some some whatever you want to call it with Arizona and Arizona State, the whole, like, tied together thing. I'm sure if they had to, to make a move, they could on their own, but it feels like that's, like, maybe a little bit of an apprehensive thing on their part. Speaking specifically to UConn, I don't, like, if you're just asking me my straight-up opinion, I don't really see the value. I don't want them added. But I absolutely can see what Brett Yormark is trying to do. Now, it might I might say I don't agree with it. It might end up being wrong. But I absolutely see what he's trying to do. He has said multiple times he thinks basketball is undervalued as a what as a sport to the media as a contract revenue, uh, whatever revenue whatever you want to put thing, it. Yeah. I don't know if he's come out and said it, but it seems like he's intimated that he would like to split football and basketball apart from a contract standpoint with media partners, sell them both individually. Yeah. Okay, so if you ha- already have, you know, and things change, obviously, if you already have, as of now, the best basketball conference in the in the country, I think I understand why he, and plus he is a basketball guy. He thinks the New York market matters. He thinks basketball is super important and is being undervalued. So you have to take that into account. I can see why he's thinking, well, let's add UConn. We'll add the premier East Coast program. I thought about this a little while ago. The Big East TV contract is coming up for renegotiation soon. It's brutal. If UConn leaves, what is the value of the Big East basketball contract to Fox? It's a great question. So... If Brett Yormark wants to sell basketball on its own and he takes the premier team from the East Coast, adds it to the best league in the country, could he theoretically go to Fox and say, how much will you pay for exclusive basketball rights? And then go to ESPN and say, how much of football do you want? Fox, do you still want any? Okay, ESPN and Fox doesn't want any. Here's what we want. So let's just throw – like. If $31 million is the combined price, well, what if football equals 25 of that? And he can then turn around and sell the basketball to Fox for 10. Now you're at 35 total. So you've made money by splitting them apart. Yeah. Fox will likely, if this is all theoretical, it's just a thought I came up with. Fox will not really want the Big East pack package as a main part of their lineup if UConn isn't a part of it. The problem has always been with the Big East as currently constructed, there's not enough national draws. There's like no even Villanova. Nas- there's, without Jay Wright, there are no national draws outside of UConn. And I don't even know if right. UConn is truly a na- – I mean, 
They've got several they titles. Are. They're a pretty national draw. There are no national draws outside of them. You add them to everything that's in the Big 12, in that market, I mean, it makes sense to me why he would do it. I don't necessarily agree, but, like, I can see why he would do it. As Tyler mentioned, I also do think it's kind of a leverage play to try to force Arizona's hand. Um, I think, ideally, he he's always said he wanted to, he's wanted to go west. He wants that that time slot. Is this a thing that causes dominoes to fall? Do you grab Colorado and UConn and then see, like, the Pac-12 could just very easily replace UConn with San Diego State, but or Colorado with San Diego State. But in the meantime, does that make Washington and Oregon super nervous? Does that give the, does the Big Ten say, well, the, the Big 12 did our dirty work. Let's go get these two teams. I'm not saying I don't necessarily think the Pac-12 blows up if Colorado leaves on their own because I think they could add San Diego State and and be quote unquote whole. But does does all this UConn smoke? Is this an is this a leverage play to try to get Arizona to make a decision? Is this a all right, guys? Because you still have to con- like he can want whatever he wants. He still has to convince a bunch of 80s and presidents in Stillwater, Oklahoma, Ames, Iowa, uh, Waco, Texas, Lubbock, Texas, to add UConn. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be super easy. So is this like a compromise I, of... But I do think it got a lot easier that they just went and won another damn national championship. Sure. I mean, you know better than me. UConn, Kansas, t- I mean, Texas Tech was in the final. Baylor won. I mean, the, the final four for the last five years if UConn left, is littered with Big 12 teams. Littered. Yeah. yeah. So, it's yes, it probably got a little bit easier, but, you know, you still have to convince those guys. Is this, and guys and ladies, is this a, okay, you guys help me out with this one, and then we'll get three of the Arizona, Arizona we'll try Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado. And we have a 16-team league. And yes, I get my little, I get my little, you know, nut off to the northeast with my UConn brand, and you guys get your, you know, quote unquote football schools more centrally located to the rest of us. Yeah, it's it's certainly interesting. It's certainly interesting. I. I I don't I understand. It, like, I don't get it from UConn's standpoint. UConn football is the, like the okay. the, the, the whole, money. Like the money, the, obviously, block with UConn football. The money is the money, and you can never overlook that. I mean, who knows what the Big East contract is? Their football program is independent. They had a nice year last year and went to a bowl game. Look at their schedule and who they played. Right. Like, there are three four-win team max every year in the Big Twelve football. It will just make me laugh very hard for a very long time if they bitched and moaned about being in a Texas-centric con- conference and how that was the reason that they were became bad at basketball for them to then leave for an even more Texas-centric conference. Just well, because- they couldn't say – it had nothing to do with Texas-centric. It had to do with they couldn't recruit – but they're going to be able to recruit that much better now? 
in the best basketball conference in the country? Absolutely. I don't know. I mean, yes, but it's still going to be more challenging than in the Big East. Maybe, maybe. But I, I think at that point, you're in the best league in the country, You're and you're UConn. You're going to be able to get what you I mean, want I out just, of the Northeast. Like, I don't know. I agree. But, like, to me, like, who gives a shit? You're a basketball school. You're a Northeast school. Don't – why are you chasing these dollars based on football? Because they're in massive debt. Oh. I, massive. I know they are. <clears throat> but, like, are they getting a full share or are they getting a partial share? How long does it take them to get – like it's going to be a lot more than the nine million dollars a year. There's, there's so many. There's so much. There's so much to it that you know. And I I see a lot of like, well, just take basketball. That's never going to happen. It's a full member no. play, yeah. because what the Big East is like. Where are they going to put all their other sports? There isn't. <clears throat> if you take the independence out, American. If you take the independence out, like BYU was and Notre Dame kind of is, even though they have the ACC ACC schedule agreement, there is not another program in the Power Five or Power Six, whatever you want, when it comes to basketball, whatever you want to call it, that has one of their two main sports in a Big 12, SEC, whatever, and then all the other ones in right. in a whatever AAC or lower yeah. like <clears throat> it's you have you have ones and twos where like people probably a lot of people probably don't know this women's lacrosse Florida is in the American yeah because the SEC the does lacrosse they don't league, right? sponsor lacrosse right women's lacrosse this but that's different because everybody sponsors men's and women's basketball and football nobody is in the, the Big Ten for football and then has everything else in the MAC. Right. You're either in or you're out across the board. Like, no... What what other conference is going to want all of UConn's other stuff when they take away men's and women's basketball? Right. It's a men's and women's basketball play, obviously, very clearly. Like, So, I mean... There's Big 12 meetings at the Greenbrier this week. Um, I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk to John Cunningham, find out why we didn't get an invite. Greenbrier's nice. It's a good place. Apparently, there's an entire underground bunker there that's supposed to be able to house the entire government. There is. That's That was the that was where, if something happened in Washington, D.C. back in the day, that was where everybody was supposed to go to. Is Dan Simon going to be there? No, he's not. He did not get the invite. He, he might show up at the casino. They have a casino there, too. But um, Matt asks, what's so special about Colorado? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm not. I mean, let's, let's, they don't. Let's talk about that. I Because I'm so curious as to what your thoughts are as to why this conference would be so quick to bring them back when they've already burned them once. I don't think. The, I think they're quick to want to come back. That doesn't surprise me because they don't know where the money's coming from. I mean, it's, for Dion. it's not that they burned them before. It's that, like, they made the wrong choice. What right. I saw today, they, were, they, they, since they made that decision, they have lost like fifty-five million dollars in revenue uh, since they left the. Big oh, I think it's, the it's probably even 
I think that was the. I think that was like a financial report. Like they have, they have, they have shorted themselves fifty-five million dollars. It's your fault. I, I, I would love nothing more than to see Colorado miss on this whole that like window. Tyler is a bit right there. Texas burned them like pretty, pretty bad. Texas got everybody kind of jumpy. The first one they talked to the Pac-12. And then when they decided we're staying in the Big 12 with the Longhorn Network, and there were quite a few schools that were just like, look, man, I'm not putting up with this shit. And oops. <laughs> Oopsie. That didn't go as well for you as, as you thought it was. Yeah, I mean, I don't – that's why I'm – you know, I follow it because I find it interesting. and I'm more interested in what the aftermath, what the fallout is, if any of these – things actually happen than I am about the the details of like who would actually be coming to the big yeah. 12 yeah um you know, it's interesting with Dion um you know sure sure they they made a profit on like we can joke about the portal and we can make comments about other things but like they made a profit on their spring game right like who does that if if he what if he said if you go to the big 12 and we obviously have success like i'm much more inclined to stay because i can recruit texas yeah and i have texas ties and i and i don't necessarily if he's super successful he's gonna leave anyway but what if he's kind of successful and he stays like an extra year or two and that gets you out of the Pac-12 in a totally unknown situation, where they, yeah. where they're being sued again to, by today by somebody. The Holiday Bowl is suing them. Um, like it just feels like an abject disaster, and it's. I just keep coming back to at some point, somebody's going to go. This is just an, too uncomfortable of a situation. I have to look out for my university. And is this perfect? No. Is this because that's what the, that's what all these ADs and presidents say. Like, ideally, we'd stay in the Pac-12. It's like ideally you would have had a television contract eight months ago. <laughs> right. Like, uh, yeah. I want to read this. My my guy Cat Cat Claw retweeted this today because it, it really is hilarious when you put this whole thing in perspective with the Big 12 or with the Pac-12. First week of December, 2022, George Klykov. Or wait, I need to go back even, uh, where do I need to go back even further? Um, but let's see, let's see what, yeah. George Klykov, first week of December, 2022. We're going to have a contract early 2023. The, everybody remembers the unity statement where they were going to consummate a TV deal. That was on February 13th where it said we'd have one in the very near future. Washington State's president, said, or AD, said on February 22nd, they'd have one in mid-March. Arizona State's AD, one day later, said next couple, three weeks. John Canzano of the Oregonian, well-placed conference source on March 3rd. Big 12 money is a layup. Arizona State president on 314, we're in the final stages now. Arizona president the day later, next couple of weeks. The Arizona president a day after that 
Uh, we have a deadline of 415. The number is going to be 50 plus million. <clears throat> Someone, I don't, I'm not sure who they are, on March 20th said, we have a ways to go. Then, <laughs> on March 30th, the, Air, the Arizona president, nothing imminent. After 15 days <clears throat> earlier, he said next couple weeks. Washington State AD on May 9th. It's done, but because of the optics of ESPN firing people, they're not announcing it. Two days later, the same guy, six weeks away. Five days after that, May 16th, Arizona State AD, summertime, maybe July or August. The same day, the Washington State AD, next few weeks to a month. Like, they have no effing clue. When they're None. going, when they're Zero. going to sign a contract, Zero. Zero clue. Like None that is almost six months of comments that none of them have been tomorrow. They, they, you want to see how old I'm going to go today? It's been a challenge lately to see how old I can go with my references. Right now, the Pac-12 media deal will gladly pay you for a cheeseburger tomorrow if you give them a cheeseburger today. <laughs> And if you get that, you're old as shit. I don't get it. Do you, so I'm not that old. It's an it's a old Popeye, the Sailor Man bit. I mean, we are, and I've been saving this, but after I just rattled all those off, it fits right here. July 31st, 2022. We are roughly two, you know, we're two months away. Big 12, or Pac-12 Media Days, George Klyakov said, we have not decided if we are going to go shopping there yet in reference to the Big 12. Yeah. That is two months from being a year-old statement. And to this point, there's very clearly nobody at the Big 12 that's looking to move into that neighborhood. <laughs> no. I mean, no. Like, I, we thought the Big East poorly handled things. George Klyakov is is entering hold my beer status when you look at the death of the of what was the Big East. I mean, I think I think you know we're to the point now where they have a pretty good idea of what the major players are willing to pay, and that number and it is, is not what they want, and that number is just so low that they can't they can't willingly. Accept it. Accept it. Yeah. And they're just going to continue to write it out, hoping that someone changes their mind or something happens that causes someone new to enter the fray or because let's be real. If the number was somewhere in the ballpark, they would take it. They would have already taken, they would have already taken it. They would take the bullets for a couple days. They would take the funny tweets they would take the, you guys said you were going to get this, and now you only got that. They would take all that. They would smile, you know, with a shit sandwich, and then they'd move on, and Dion would do something fun, and Caleb Williams is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, and you actually have some pretty damn good football teams this year. They would take all that, and they would move on. Yeah. So the fact that they are not just willing to go, you know what, this is not ideal. We said a lot of dumb shit that we're going to have to walk back but this is the best we got. Like that tells me everything that they're not even to that stage yet. Right. I mean, they, 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 
they overplayed their hand as bad as you can overplay a hand, right? Well, I mean, they overplayed it, but I don't think they they knew what kind of dude they were dealing with when Brett Yormark walked in. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because every other conference commissioner, every other one, would have just waited their turn. Nobody's ever done what Brett Yormark did. No conference commissioner has ever just jumped and said, and we, we yeah. They cut the line. Like, right. line jumping at Paramount's Kings Island is not yeah, a sport. It's not a sport. Unless you write your mark. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine how the excitement of going to the Big 12 for us would have, would, would just be, you know, put out with a wet rag if we were sitting here right now going, yeah, we're in the Big 12 and we have no idea how much money we're going to get. Or if we'll even be a conference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty funny. I want, you know, like I said, I, I don't really care. I'm more in it for the, um, you know, the egg on the face, the funny tweets. Cause like, you know, UC is going to be what they are <clears throat> regardless of whether Colorado or Yukon or Arizona or, San Diego State or Memphis, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, we're not talking about, you know, them adding Alabama and Ohio State or something like that. Like, it doesn't affect them too much. It's not going to affect them greatly. So, but it's going to be funny if one of these teams that some of these people have, some one of these schools that some of these people have said, will never leave because no one has ever you know, gone down, blah, blah, blah. Like, well, at some point, it might happen. Sorry, I've got a 12-year-old melting down right now. That's all right. I understand. Um, let's get to... Uh, I, I, I've, I've done some workshopping on this in my brain, Dave. Okay. We have to come up with something new, as we talked about, for Team Ticker. Because Bearcat of the Week, uh, there's some NIL stuff that, you know, if you're going to name a Bearcat of the Week and they're a student athlete, then you're probably going to need to pay them. Um, we're not at that point yet. <clears throat> I think I'd like to get to that point at some time where we can name a Bearcat of the Week that's a student athlete every week and we can find a way to cut them a check uh, for, you know, whatever. But uh, I think maybe we go with like the news of the week brought to you by team ticker, because what does team ticker do? They give Gives you the news. news. So like the, the team ticker news of the week, this week is a pretty obvious one. It, it came down today. Uh, it's brought to you by Team Ticker, and, and look, I, I, it's kind of a weird way to start this because it's a friend of the program. It's a guy that we really like. Um, before we get there, Team Ticker, the one-of-a-kind sports science for Bearcat fans. Its high-tech retro display provides daily updates for the latest news, stats, schedules, betting odds, and much more with no subscription required. If you're looking for the perfect addition to your man cave or a gift for that special Bearcats fan, 
Go to teamticker.com and pick up your team ticker today. The promo, uh, the the graduation promo ended. Uh, the Father's Day promotion starts Friday, June 2nd, runs through Father's Day, June 18th. The promotion, 50% or $50 off. It's, whoa, easy, easy, Chad, easy. They're not going to be happy with me on that one. $50 off. So $299 drop down to uh, $249. That gets you your team ticker. You can see it right there. Right now, it is going through the top 25 in baseball. Uh, apropos for, for what is the team ticker news of the week. And that is Cincinnati baseball coach uh, Scott Googans has resigned. Googs, uh, as I said, was a friend of this show. Unfortunately, um, just a lot going on in and around the baseball program right now. Uh, you had two assistants that were you all right. You getting a stretch in? Getting a stretch in. Did did a lot okay. of. Uh squats today getting stretching <laughs> legs are starting to tighten up sitting down all right um so ultimately uh a situation that you kind of had the feeling when you heard that that two assistants were being let go because of a gambling situation it was probably going to go to the top of the food chain uh and that that came down today so it's unfortunate that that they have moved on from Googs uh, and they're looking for new direction. But this does mean, Dave, essentially this is now John Cunningham's athletic department, right? Like this is, he's going to get to hire his baseball coach. He's hired his football coach. He's hired his men's and women's basketball coaches. Uh, This is kind of that final piece of the puzzle at Cincinnati uh, in terms of John Cunningham having his staff, I from talking to people over the past week or so, they did not want to be in a position where they had to make this decision this year. Yeah, I, I think everybody loved Googs. I think they felt like he ran a very good program. The results probably, and, and he would probably tell you, the results weren't what they wanted. But I don't necessarily think it's a terrible thing that, that now going into the Big 12, you get a chance to handpick your, your coach, and handpick kind of what you feel like is the direction uh, as the baseball program takes this this next step as well. Right. I mean, I think the season that they had was probably the, when this news came out, probably the cherry on top. I mean, if they were the num- uh, hosting a site in the college baseball championship, uh, if they were one yeah. of the 16 host schools, I'm going to guess he's not getting fired. Probably right, but uh, but he can they can John can drive uh, right in right up six seventy five get off at Aaron's old stomping grounds, pick up Wright State's coach, bring him right back, call today easy <laughs> easy peasy. I know that much. Uh, they they won the Horizon right. They are uh, they won the Horizon like what feels like a billion years in a row. Like and he's a fairly young guy, right? Like they almost beat Tennessee, who was one of the top five teams in the country last year in the first round. Tennessee had to hit like a walk off grand slam to to beat him. Depending on how long he's been there, Katrina Merriweather might actually know him and might be able to give a recommendation. <laughs> Fair. 
Fair. I think he's been there a decent, like I, I want, I think I saw like 140 and 60 or 140 and 70, like basically in the 65, 67% uh, win percentage range since he took over. Um, not Grant, I know literally nothing about college baseball, at least not enough to talk about coaching candidates and does it matter if you have ties to Texas and the plain States? Does it matter if you're a, assistant at a high high level school that's ready to be head coach i mean all, all i know is that dude wins the horizon league every year and has been about as good as you can expect to be in the in the ncaa tournament from from that type of a program yeah yeah it's uh it, it's unfortunate it sucks just because i think like i got a, a, a bunch of text messages today from people that just have you know, have a history in and around UC athletics that are like, damn, this sucks. Like I love Googs and, and we did too. Like I, we loved having him on. He was, he was always very knowledgeable and forthright and very open and uh, you know, gave a great interview and, and really supported the program and really wanted to win here bad. So it's unfortunate and it sucks that all of this is going on because the the parent of a player went rogue and and put a lot of people's lives and livelihoods and careers on the line like that part sucks but unfortunately it's college sports today dave yeah i mean it's football and basketball obviously are the you know the bell cows and and drive the bus but like i do think there's a, not pressure because you're only going to, you're going to, your job is based on how your football and men's basketball team does. Sure. But the other sports at UC need to come a long way in, yeah. in the Big 12. I mean, we have good moments with individuals like track and field seems to have a lot of high level individuals. They won, I'm going to screw it up, but I feel like the men won indoor. AAC last year like they they're a solid overall program but like there's seven 16 17 other sports that we like we can't keep floundering in women's basketball we can't keep floundering in baseball like those two in particular really need to pick up the you know where their level is and I'm not talking about like bad I'm not talking about NCAA tournaments every year but like yeah, you can't be co- cycling through coaches every three, four years. Like, yeah. even from our perspective, and, and this is just a view from somebody that does this for a living. I would love to have a women's basketball program that wins 22, 23 games regularly and is in position to make the NCAA tournament. It would give us something else to talk about. Would it be, you know, above the fold? as they say in the newspaper industry, the dying newspaper industry. No, it wouldn't be above the fold. Yeah, it's but not it would a, certainly be on page two or three. Not necessarily a weekly topic, but it's a noteworthy topic. Like we talk about the teams that are winning. How much did we talk about golf? It didn't, we didn't just talk about golf. Cause I like to golf. And, no, and, and, like, and, and Doug's like a fun guy to talk to. Like if, if they sucked, we wouldn't be talking about it. Right. We talked about them because they gave us something to talk about. If we talked about baseball when they made the tournament and and they went out to the 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 regional and they beat the defending national champions, we had a watch party at the Holy Grail. 
Like, that's what we do. It's good for business. It, it gets people interested. It gets people excited. It gets people talking. And, you know, like, baseball after that never really lived up to it. And that was, that's the tightrope you walk when, like, you're, the MO is we're a team that, that, that surges at the end of the season. Well, if you lose two games in the conference tournament, you can lose two games by one run. And then your season's over because you didn't give yourself a chance. And I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't know that obviously teams in the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC are the premier teams, but like, what is the re, like, I don't see the glaring reasons that UC is not just good at baseball. I'm not talking great. I'm not talking perennial powerhouse, but like, what are, why, what are the reasons that they haven't been good? One of the premier like youth programs in the country is here in Midland. Like Midland baseball is nationally recognized. They've won, you know, that level, like the, the world series, the Connie Mack world series. I don't know what level that exactly the, but they're one of the premier, like there's, there's like 30 guys in major league baseball that have played for Midland. Like you have a base, you have enough, that you should be able to, to make this a successful program. And for whatever reason, for a long time, they've dabbled in success, but they've never sustained success. And now John Cunningham gets his chance to, to get a baseball coach that, you know, shows they can get it done. Is he going to just hire someone from North Carolina? Probably. (laughs) Should Should we be looking at, I mean, Wake Forest is the number one team in the country. Should we be looking at their assistant coaches? Well, John Cunningham has shown he's not an assistant coach guy. That's true. He's a head coach guy. So can they get Wake Forest coach? Uh, I mean, they're going to the Big 12, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the Bearcat. Big news story of the week. It was brought to you by Team Ticker. They're a local company started by two UC alums. They're easy to hang with the provided hanging kit. Plays the fight song at game time. You can see it right there. Companion Apple and Android mobile app for registration and configuration of your team. Ticker, high-tech retro-looking display, daily updates of the latest news, stats, schedules, betting odds, and more. They are officially licensed through the college licensing company and manufactured in Ohio. So get you one. If you don't have one of those, what are you doing? Me? What are you doing? Dave has one. He just he still. Oh, I thought you were asking. I thought you were actually asking me what I was doing. No, I was asking (laughs) the people if they haven't got one. What are you doing? Uh, And if you have got one, why haven't you hung it up on your wall? I think it's a relevant question. Pickle, pickle, pickle's falling asleep on screen. Marty Ludwig coming in with a fire tweet. I was. I was just gonna. I literally. Hopped in to give the breaking news from Marty Ludwig, but go right ahead. We're just a few hours away from the first drop of new Nike and Jumpman gear for the Go Bearcats community in the UC bookstore and rally house. Excited to see how tomorrow goes, and there is plenty more to come as we move forward with this new partner. There you go. Okay. 
didn't have All reading right. Marty Ludwig tweets on my Bearcat Journal uh, <laughs> bingo card ever. Hey, look, there. sometimes there's just stuff you can't prepare for. That's right. No matter how much you prepare. I mean, I've been preparing and preparing and preparing, and then Marty comes in and totally throws me for a loop. Should we prepare to talk about the uh, some football games that got announced today on the on the yeah, schedule? Let's, let's add that to the list before we get out of here. So, a uh, couple games: Eastern Kentucky, three thirty Saturday. Uh, Pitt is still a TBD. Miami, seven p.m. Saturday. Uh, I noted on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this in your busy day, but this is the first non. The, I'll put it this way. The first Saturday, regular season, so true nip at night since 2019. The only other time they had a couple Friday games, the only set and third, the only Saturday game was the Tulsa AAC championship game. Is the only Saturday night game since 2019. This is also the uh Weekend of Oktoberfest, and the Bengals have a home game against the Ravens on Sunday. So uh, the city will have a lot going on, and everyone should be very excited to come out to Newport Stadium at 7 p.m. Then the uh, BYU game is slated for 10-15 Friday night, so that's late. Going to be very excited to stay up. Till you know one o'clock in the morning watching that one, but th- those were announced today from a scheduling standpoint. I don't know if we were on air when Chad asked me about camps. Football camps start tomorrow. Yep, uh, six to eight thirty tomorrow night. So I will I will be at camp number one tomorrow night. Yeah, we are. Aaron, uh, I, let's go back real quick, Aaron. 10-15 kickoff, three and a half to four hours, roughly. Well, we're going to run the ball a lot, one, so our games might be a little quicker. One forty-five. post game after that. What shape are you going to be in for a nightcap after that BYU game at 3 a.m.? Asleep. <laughs> in a totally different shape than anyone in Provo. I can promise you that. <laughs> Aaron's Aaron's literally gonna have his eyelids taped open at yeah. that point in time, like the old Tom and Jerry. Yeah. If I can find one of those one of those helmets that holds the cans, maybe oh, I'll be wearing one of those. I'm sure you could. I mean, that I'm sure they you can find one of those. Those are easy. You just go to the party store. She can get Amazon or something. I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, camp yeah. start tomorrow. You'll be there. Yeah, I will be there. Keegan and I will be there tomorrow Seeing a bunch of of young guys tweeting out that they're going to be there. Um, We'll get into it more next week in the in the finer details because we obviously know things things can change, and we like to be as accurate as possible. But next weekend, June 9th through eleventh, is shaping up to be a massive, massive official visit recruiting weekend. Another uh, another potential target. Quavo Batman Sabor. A Batman. 
Batman. Yep, his name is Marquavius. He goes by Quavo, and his nickname is Batman. We have a gravy to replace Sauce. Um, he, he's committed. Um, so we're just we're just bringing in all the all the nicknames. But uh, safety from Georgia. He tweeted out tonight that he'll high three star safety. He'll be here. Um, it's a real nice mix of commits. There's several commits, and then several. Uh, you know, uncommitted players. And this weekend is the first official visit weekend, but it doesn't seem like they're going to be using that weekend. It feels much more of the next two is when they will focus in on the summer officials. Yeah, it's usually a two weekend. That's at least how it's been done here since the June officials started. Uh, You have to have a second weekend just in case. You know, you have guys that are have something locked in somewhere else, or they're not going to be able to make it that weekend for whatever reason. You got to have you, a. You uh, can take an official the entire month of June. Like some guys are yeah. going five weekends Mid-week, in a row. Yeah. Like, but I'm just saying, like, you can't just say this is our official visit. No, weekend. for sure, for sure. You got to have a second one. You know, if you can't make this one, then here's our other one. And uh, then um, I kind of like it though. Like, look. Here's what we got. We got two weekends. Get your ass here. Yeah, you want to commit? And if you're Be- really good, we'll work something out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, let's see, Mo- Monte Whedon, a linebacker from Washington, D.C., was on campus today, put some pictures up. He is, uh, un- which is, it's very strange. He is not ranked composite or 247, but he has a top eight that includes UC, Florida State, Texas, uh, and, and several other, uh, you know, nice, nice schools. So, you you know, he was, he just released that top eight the other day. He's on campus today. So they seem to be, and I feel like it's a, it's a Walt Stewart, Pete Thomas pipeline into the DMV because they got Brian Sims. They have, uh, Simeon Coleman, they're recruiting some other guys from Baltimore, from D.C. So it feels like they're they're kind of trying to build, a, you know, a little bit of a relationship, a little bit of a pipeline into into that area. Yeah. But yeah, we're, we're well over double-digit visitors for next weekend, and I'm sure, you know, like a guy like Samaj Jones, the quarterback from Pennsylvania, hasn't put any – he's supposed to be visiting next week. He hasn't technically put anything out. Um, like these graphics that the other guys have put out. So, you know, I'm sure there will be more. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very interesting as we get through that. And then of course, as uh, fate would have it, the weekend after the official visits, uh, neither of us are going to be around. No, I will be in Jamaica and will not be podcasting. <laughs> I will be at AAVU Volleyball Nationals in Orlando and Aaron is also going to be out of town. I'll be in Florida as well. So, how unprepared yeah. are we that we don't have anybody lined up to, to do this show in, in two weeks? I mean, we could probably line something up. Unless you want to do it on Tuesday. I could do it on Tuesday. Uh, we fly out the, the oh, morning okay. of the 13th. Gotcha. I could maybe do it from the hotel in Orlando. We'll come up with something. If there's like if there's like eight commitments like we had last year, we'll come up with something. 
I'm 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 only going to I'm only going to officially sign up for one vacation podcast, and and I think everybody wants uh, the conga line and Pedro and Dustin Dave. Yeah, I I feel like that's the one that will will work to try to happen. We have the uh, the 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 pool uh, tiki bar this year, double television. You get the same spot. Nope, different house. Different house. Yep. House has an elevator. Um, but where are you going? How many floors does it have? Uh, three or four. Four, maybe. It, is that because people can't walk three or four flights of stairs, or no? All these, all these like big houses have elevators in them, I guess, because they put the kit like the the entry floor is the ground floor. Where there might be hurricanes. And then you have the the pool is like off there, but the kitchen's on the second floor and the bedrooms are all up there. So I guess to keep you from having to carry all your stuff, groceries and all that shit up and down the stairs all the time. So, yeah. So I'm going to try not to get locked in the elevator. Um, But other than that, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. We have uh, have some good themes in in place already. You know, it's... The house is on Dolphin Street, so we're looking to buy every inflatable dolphin on Amazon. <laughs> nobody, nobody still knows where Pedro is. This is this is this was a, co- a topic. Pedro? Topic of conversation at uh, Mother's Day dinner, and then again Sunday at Memorial Day party. You got to put a P- an APB out for for Pedro. <laughs> Have you checked your bags? Did, did, did you smuggle him? I, I do not have Pedro. I have an inflatable dolphin and an inflatable tiger, but I I don't have I don't have Pedro. Oh boy! All right, you got anything else? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. I don't either. I think we're good. Thanks to to Drew Adams. That was awesome. Kind of getting an insight on Drew and. Uh, Getting to know him a little better. His his role increases this year just on the nature of uh, some NCAA uh, changes and how they allow things to be handled. So uh, he's an awesome dude. What now? What are you laughing at now? This is a tweet. Okay. The, co- the College Basketball Stories podcast. I don't know who that is. It says, has hang the banner. It's a Duke logo. It says Deron Holmes almost transferred here May 2023. <laughs> I mean, they must have. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine the what they did to keep him at Dayton. But that's not good news for the Bearcats. They were going to be pretty bad, and he's. Uh, yeah. If they do end up playing, he's pretty damn good. He is. We have to find a way to stop him. All right. Well, that's uh, that's it for the night. We will. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll see where it goes from there. This is the BCJ podcast, brought to you by the Holy Grail. June 24th, Reds and Reigns, BCJ Meetup. Make sure you get those uh, tickets. Go to cincyreigns.org. We'll see you next time right here on BearcatJournal.com.